Hey, On The Pulse listeners, have you considered taking your career to the next level by earning a PhD degree? At the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing, we are passionate about helping you advance. Our PhD program offers a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity to build the skills you need to develop and implement scientific research that can change the world. And most full-time Johns Hopkins Nursing PhD students are 100% funded with a stipend for the first three years of study. Visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse to learn more and apply. Hi, I'm Tamar Rodney, and you're listening to On the Pulse, a podcast from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the experiences of frontline providers and researchers. We explore their insights and invaluable stories of how healthcare works in today's world. Today's episode will cover monkeypox, the infectious disease that has been making headlines around the world. In early August, the Biden administration classified a growing outbreak as a national public health emergency. All while COVID-19 infections are still up and other infectious diseases seem to be taking stage as well. And joining us today is Mickey Dare, an infectious disease practitioner at Chase Brexton Healthcare and a PhD student at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. Welcome, Mickey. Thanks for having me, Tamar. Wonderful. So we have a lot to cover here. So how about us starting with, can you tell us what is monkeypox and how long has it been around and why exactly is it circulating now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, monkeypox is the hot and new right now, you know, another uh, epidemic or say, you know, might be a pandemic. So monkeypox is a rare disease that caused uh, by infection with the monkeypox virus. This virus is from the same uh, part, when we talk about the same part in terms of the family of the viruses, as variola virus, the virus that causes smallpox. But it's milder and not fatal. And now, we talk about why now, you know, as we know, viruses, they spread, they find human hosts, and then they travel. And viruses have no borders. And we have quickly learned that with the COVID pandemic, that how quickly a viral infection can spread from countries to countries, people to people. And some of the hypotheses by experts from School of Public Health and other experts from other public health agencies have talked about, you know, why now? They think that we obviously have a history of monkeypox dating back to 1950s in a laboratory setting and the very first human case in a little boy in 1970. And after that, fast forward, 2013, the monkeypox outbreak in humans through prairie dogs in the U.S. And then the most recent 2017 in Nigeria, where it was a human to human transmission. So over time, the hypothesis is that viruses can spread through animals, but they also have the innate ability of of mutating itself. And when they find a human host and can mutate in a human host, that's when it starts to spread. So we do think that it's been possibly spreading from the last few years. Some people are saying from 2017, it's been mutating in human hosts, and now it has become strong enough after the mutations have takes place. I don't know how many mutations. Scientists are monitoring that, trying to figure out how and when and what kind of viruses is spreading or is maybe it's going to mutate to something else. 
So now it has become strong enough to mutate among, you know, humans and it's spreading. So it sounds like we have a couple of things there to consider. Once we do know a lot about monkeypox because it's fairly old, but considering the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of things are taken in context of how that evolved and some mutation or the process of mutation is a concern. But honestly, how concerned or what level of concern do you think we should have about monkeypox? Definitely, we don't want to create a panic in the general population because the current data and consensus from the CDC shows that we can contain this virus pretty quickly if we have the right tools, right? And we can talk about those tools in a second. But the communities should be concerned because as the first public health messaging came out when the virus started spreading, that it's spreading in gay and bisexual men, right? So when we talk about concern, when we spread messaging a certain way, we give people a false sense of security that, oh, I am fine. It's spreading in, you know, those people. So since, you know, this virus can spread via multiple routes, um, currently in this outbreak, the, the main way this virus is spreading is close contacts. So close, prolonged, skin-to-skin contact, to be very specific, although this virus can spread via respiratory droplets also. And CDC's reports have shown that that it can stay on the surfaces for up to 15 days. Now, that being said, you, you know, those things do exist, but this virus does require a prolonged exposure to expose somebody and uh, cause an infection and disease, um, those lesions to appear, uh, which are diagnostic of monkeypox, among other symptoms. So I think everybody should be concerned because viruses don't discriminate who you are in terms of your race, gender, sexual orientation. Taking the right precautions, prevention uh, is key. Wonderful. That's such an important message that they certainly don't discriminate. Um, But you spoke briefly about the tools that we use and knowing by mean tracking how many persons are actually infected and then what do we do about it? How are we currently tracking infections in the United States and where do we stand in terms of vaccination? We are tracking infections. So each state have health departments. So any uh, testing that has been done, uh, the labs are reporting directly to the health department um, in terms of the positive cases, uh, since it's a reportable uh, condition. And all that data gets reported to CDC, where CDC has established the monitoring page where anybody can go and look at how many cases in different states. But in terms of when we start breaking down within a state, what city or county has how many cases, then we have to refer to local jurisdictions in order to get that very detailed data. But otherwise, local health departments and CDC is collecting data. In terms of vaccinations, our response, to be quite honest, has been quite poor. I I thought, you know, we would be better prepared coming from a pandemic that's still ongoing, the COVID pandemic, and we didn't have good access to vaccines and we still don't uh, have good uh, access to vaccines. The approval process from the vaccinations to uh, coming into uh, from the when I talk about approval from FDA and then getting approved for in a distribution that that part was quite delayed while other countries jumped on it much faster and gave access to the vaccination pretty quickly because that's how we can prevent this infection to spread. So I'm hoping that the response gets better for our people 
and should be taken very seriously. You know, we do not want this to become another long drawn pandemic where our communities are affected. And we're gonna see those disparities in, in, in our healthcare system where, you know, certain group of people are more affected than others. So while we wait for vaccines, which, you know, could provide the coverage that we need, are there any tools that you can suggest to help prevent the spread as well? Absolutely. So uh, in terms of when we talk about preventing the spread of any viral infection, and monkeypox is no different, right? We, we talk about prevention is key. So prevention comes in many ways. In, in this particular outbreak, limiting the number of partners you might have, limiting the number of partners you might have sexual contact with, uh, where you might be in close contact for long periods of time. And as you might not know other people who you're coming in contact with, that's where limiting the number of partners is key. And also hygiene that we have learned now from years that uh, cleaning surfaces, not sharing clothing or bed sheets with somebody who you might think might be might have been exposed to COVID is also key. And also, uh, it, the virus is spread through respiratory droplets. So if we are, you know, kissing someone who might be exposed, uh, that's uh, another way it can spread. So not doing that with people you might think might be exposed, or you not knowing the other person's, you know, status of exposure. So those things are key in preventing this exposure. Lastly, the big thing we just talked about vaccines. Vaccines is one of the biggest tools we have now in in lieu of the prevention that how we can contain this virus. Uh, as we get more vaccines into people's arms, we can prevent this from spreading. I think the, the one, I, I find viruses very cool. And, and I think the viruses are ubiquitous in a way that, you know, especially monkeypox, it's, it's like a smallpox virus. So, you know, it's not infectious during its incubation period. It's infectious when somebody has symptoms or the lesions, the bumps on the skin. So if we have the right tools, we get these vaccinations into people's arms as quickly as possible, especially focusing on people who might be at high risk. We can contain this now and eradicate like we did with smallpox. Um, thank you. And there's one thing that came to mind when you were talking, Mickey, is masks. Are masks helpful to prevent the spread of monkeypox? Absolutely. So since it's spread through respiratory droplets, we are uh, definitely highly recommending that if you are in crowded spaces, closed crowded spaces, uh, should be wearing masks. It doesn't matter you're flying, you know, in a bar or a club, uh, in, in a very crowded, you know, restaurant, uh, very crowded sauna gyms, uh, those kind of situations, the, the spread can happen. Although, again, I'm going to stress that this outbreak currently how it's spreading is showing that it's spread via close skin-to-skin contact. So, uh, but those precautions should be taken because as the virus is evolving and spreading, I won't be surprised that it starts to adapt into different ways of spreading. It is just the way this outbreak has started to begun. That's how the virus has started to spread, but viruses can spread in many ways. So much to consider. And I want to pivot a little bit to something you said at the start that we're still going through the COVID-19 pandemic. And here we are as more news emerges about monkeypox. We've also heard about polio emerging in New York. Do you think that we're experiencing a rise in infectious diseases? And if so, what could be causing this? You know, just thinking from the last two, three years and 
You just mentioned the polio case, and there was a recent outbreak of meningitis in Florida. And so we're seeing all these infectious disease popping up from random spaces. And uh, another, uh, I want to mention APDC, the Abbott Pandemic Defense Coalition. It's, um, it's a multi-sector organization which aims to detect early detection of infectious diseases. I was sort of reading on their website and have been monitoring for a while that it also monitoring other hosts of other infectious diseases like hepatitis, Zika, dengue, meningitis, like just happened, yellow fever. You know, these are the infectious diseases are currently happening and the and the others I just mentioned are predicted to become more widespread. You know, as humans continue to encroach uh, on previously the, the wild geographical regions, we are more likely to come into contact with pathogens that can pose a threat to public health. And also thinking from the climate change perspective, that, that also raises the risk of infectious diseases as the species and pathogens that carry the viruses or bacteria spread to broader areas because of the changes. Thank you. And that leads nicely into what I would love to ask you next is about how do we communicate this kind of information to individuals as a whole? So public health messaging is critical, but given the lots of public health message we've had with COVID-19, some persons are tired of hearing about it, frankly. And as professionals, how can we continue to communicate effectively so individuals understand the risk and are able to make the best decisions for themselves? Yes, absolutely. Public health messaging is so important. I think when uh, the the media blows out everything on the internet, you know, with the different information from different parts of the country, everybody's confused. You know, what do I do? Making sure that our communities are following evidence based information from valuable sources like, for example, Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, CDC, WHO, which is providing live accurate data uh, in terms of spread, prevention, cases where the things are developing. I think that becomes important uh, when we talk about the messaging. And also, I think part of the issue with monkeypox is that in oblique terms, we, we end up really overemphasizing who can get the virus and downplaying who gets it. Yes, it's important in terms of public health messaging that yes, we're trying to contain this virus among gay and bisexual men, but I think we also have the responsibility to relay that message appropriately so that we're not stigmatizing a certain group of people because viruses don't discriminate, you know, based on your gender, your race, it can spread anywhere. Some of the early data have have shown patterns that with the CDC analysis that 94% of the cases were among men, but also if you further break down that out of those 94, 54% of the cases were among Black, American, and Latinos. You know, the purpose of this data is not to just crunch numbers, but to ensure that people are most impacted by monkeypox or any other disease really are getting the services that are required. The message that anybody can get uh, monkeypox, you know, can spread fear among populations, we understand that. But as a larger, as our duty as healthcare workers to our communities, we do need to make everybody aware that yes, this is spreading here, we are trying to contain it, but we don't wanna have have you have a false sense of security. It, It is spreadable virus. It's worth underlining that, you know, 
while black men appear to bear the majority of the monkeypox cases, it's not because they're black, right? We also don't want it to become a racial identity characteristic when we try to relay information about a disease. You know, some people think that race is biologically active. There must be something in a brown skin that makes people become infected. So we don't want to spread that message either because that's what the message started spreading with, with recent messaging from that, you know, monkeypox was found in Africa, West Africa, and now it's spreading uh, in, in the U.S. So I think mess- culturally sensitive messaging is very important. And it's our duty as healthcare workers to spread that message through either social media, to our health center's website, and really directly messaging our patients. My primary care Hopkins, you know, sent out a message to all his patients because it's a, it was a community message talking about monkeypox, how people should prevent, what precautions they should take. So that's key. How do we do that? And I think nurses are positioned really well when we talk about another, possibly a pandemic, you know, about community messaging um, and also getting those vaccinations into people's arms. So I think all these things together play a role in delivering a right public health message to our communities that we care for. Thank you so much for reemphasizing that it's critical in how we deliver not just care, but the message to get care. One thing that we probably haven't discussed is how bad is it? Is it a deadly virus? Monkeypox, the strain that's spreading right now is not fatal. There has been a couple deaths reported. We don't know the exact details that what other comorbid conditions those patients had, but that this strain, per the CDC data and other research reports I've read, is not fatal or deadly. Okay. Okay. Well, at least there's a little bit of good news, which we, again, will see as it develops um, with the mutation process. Um, But something I wanted to touch on with you is that there seems to be quite a bit of similarities with the AIDS epidemic of the 80s. Do you see any similarities with both of these outbreaks? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And when we first started discussing monkeypox, we were, you know, how the public health messaging from public health entities and media, they portrayed that it is found spreading among gay and bisexual men. Quickly, my mind went into, wow, there you go. This is exactly what we did uh, back in the 80s uh, with the AIDS epidemic. And we quickly found out that heterosexual persons were were not at any you know, less risk. And fast forward now, uh, we see the HIV infection rate sort of uh, flipping to the other side. Now our focuses are, when we talk about uh, new HIV infections, rising in women, specifically Black women, that's the uh, sense, you know, the false sense of security. I was discussing that when we relay certain message, we, we delay care. You know, we delay certain uh, modes of prevention practices, not just, you know, among patients and communities, but also when we relay messages like that, we also misinform our providers, you know, our doctors or nurse practitioners who are practicing, who are key in engaging and retaining patients in care. So historically speaking, when we talk about AIDS epidemic and then we talk about HIV prevention measures like pre-exposure prophylaxis, when it first started, everybody wanted all the gay men and bisexual men to go on PrEP, to lower the infection rate, to control the HIV epidemic. 
Now we quickly are identifying that, that that's not the case. We, we need to put our efforts into other parts of our community also. As, as HIV infection rates are rising in heterosexual persons, we need to offer those measures to, to everyone. So I think misinforming our healthcare practitioners also happens with that messaging also, because then in a healthcare setting, when a patient comes to me, I might say that, well, you are heterosexual, you're not a risk of catching HIV, so I'm not going to offer or even talk about sexual risks and habits. So uh, similarly, we, we, we're seeing with, you know, monkeypox with the messaging we started to deliver, but luckily we, we in the healthcare setting, we quickly fired back when that message uh, came out and they were getting strong and strong. And at least I was among uh, one of the ones at Chase Brexton uh, quickly presented in social media and clarified that. And another similarity is a stigma, stigma of labeling a certain community with a certain disease that came with monkeypox. And I am glad that that was caught quickly and we fought back and we're addressing it appropriately. Thank you for leading the charge in your practice as well. Um, it's so critical to have responsible messaging, but also from trusted sources, because like you said, ultimately it delays care and you produce fear and reaffirm stigma that is can be incorrectly placed. What would you say to someone who think they've been around another person with monkeypox, what should they do? So if somebody has been exposed to monkeypox, they, per the current data and guidelines, they do not necessarily need to isolate, but they do need to get in touch as quickly as possible to their provider uh, and or the health uh, department to get the monkeypox vaccine. The idea is that if we vaccinate people within four days, if we're lucky, or up to 14 days with the vaccination, we can blunt the viral response to becoming a severe disease or even a actual monkeypox viral infection of uh, symptoms of flu-like symptoms or even lesions. So key is, if you've exposed, contact, get the vaccination as soon as possible. Now, if you already have monkeypox, you tested positive for it, then you do need to isolate for up to four weeks or even more, depending on how last your symptoms are lasting. The key here is that if somebody has the skin lesions that are classic of monkeypox, they, those skin lesions have to completely resolve, the scabs need to resolve and fall off, and the new skin has to come on the surface, that will basically will tell us the infection has resolved. Realistically, we all live with families, communities, or with each other. Is there any safe way to be around someone with monkeypox? When we talk about in a household setting, in fact, these are the conversations we are having right now when we talk about public health, uh, you know, messaging also in households and congregate settings where people are living in a household and coming in, in long contact with each other really isolating that person and practicing hygiene practices, cleaning surfaces is important and not sharing towels, clothing, anywhere where the virus can shed and stay. And if somebody lives in the house using those things, they can wear masks. They can, uh, if they do touch something, 
have clean uh, right after them with, you know, proper disinfectants and really making sure that the laundry is done, clothes are dried so that uh, the virus won't uh, live and spread. All very useful tips. And while I have you, I'm just going to go for more here, uh, Mickey. So I know we're in the infancy of how much we know about monkeypox, but one of the concerns with COVID-19 is that people have been known to get it more than once. Can the same thing happen with monkeypox? Could you get it twice? The virus, this uh, outbreak and the virus uh, spreading right now, it's quite fresh. We don't have that data yet. People are just getting, you know, infected, exposed. So we don't know yet. I would assume people could get it again, but also this virus is from the family of smallpox virus. And the way we eradicated smallpox, and if it's vir- if this virus is, is going to behave as the time is progressing exactly the way smallpox did, then the reinfections might not occur. But I think it's too early to say that if somebody could or could not be reinfected. You know, the thought would also be that if somebody does get monkeypox, they have some sort of immunity, right? And uh, also other people who are not infected and might might have been exposed or in a high risk uh, setting who are getting vaccinations uh, won't get infected. But again, nothing is 100% in life. We know that with COVID and other viral infections. So I think we have to stay tuned to what co- what's coming in, in the coming months and weeks. A dose of optimism, but a little bit of realism while we stay tuned <laughs> and, and learn more. And as we learn more, is there any final thing you would like to say to our audience before we close um, about monkeypox or how to take care of themselves or what to do next? So I think the two big messages I want to relay that I'm going to repeat again, that prevention is key, you know, and as communities together, uh, either a healthcare community as providers or people in the community, we all have to work together to eradicate this. And we cannot stigmatize each other. We ha- it, it's a collaborative effort to prevent the spread of this virus by practicing safe practices, preventative practices, and also from the healthcare perspective, our duty becomes is to relay appropriate messaging to our patients and refer patients to trusted resources where they can learn and and educate each other about the monkeypox virus and its outbreaks uh, and what it means for them. Mickey, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being a part of this very critical conversation and helping us to better understand the emerging threat of monkeypox as well as other infectious diseases. Your expertise is very welcome. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And in the future, I hope, you know, as this more uh, more data comes in, uh, as this virus evolves, we should be able to spread more knowledge uh, to our communities. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of On The Pulse. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you know and subscribe through Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. You can also find us on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash nurse. Be sure to also check out our On The Pulse blog and Facebook Live series. You can learn more about the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing at nursing.jhu.edu.